says healing is here and healing is here because you are here. You live on the inside of us, Father. And everywhere we go, Father, just as you said in your word in Luke chapter 5, that the power of the Lord was present to heal. And everywhere we go was your children, Father, power is present to heal. The power that resides in our lives by the Spirit of God is present everywhere we go. Everywhere we go, Father, healing is available. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And Father, we thank you that you demonstrate your love each and every day to us by allowing healing to flow into our lives. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Well, praise God, if the, if the healing is here, need healing in your body, uh, why don't we just pray for folks, amen? Healing is always here. I like the way that Brother Hagin said that uh, through the law of contact and transmission, healing is transferred into our bodies. Father, we lay hands on the sick by the direction of your word, Father, that the believers shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Father, they'll recover because you live on the inside of me you live on the inside of your children. And Father, when we lay hands on people, that power that lives on the inside of us is transferred, Father, to the person that we're laying hands on. And life is the result. Freedom from sickness is the result, Father. So, Father, we thank you that we have the privilege and the right to lay hands on the sick. And your spirit will be transferred into those physical bodies to affect the healing and the cure. Father, we thank you for that. In the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. Your power, Father, your spirit transferred into this physical body. Perfect the healing In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. For your healing power. 100% healing. 100% whole. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. By your spirit. Thank you, Father. The name of Jesus. Thank you. Father, we thank you that you're a 100% kind of God. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for 100% healing. 100% recovery. Free from sickness, free from disease, aches and pains. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father.
in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Done in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you for your healing power. The Spirit of God, Father, that heals our bodies. Goes into this place of the body. Affects the healing. said that because she was a daughter of Abraham she had the right to be healed Father how much more shall the children of the, of the most high God have a right to your healing power Father we thank you we choose to live in divine health we choose to live Father free from sickness and disease we thank you for that Father in Jesus name Amen well praise God is the Lord good it's always good to pray for folks, amen. You know, we don't pray for folks at every service, um, even though we call it healing school, um, because the best way to stay healed is to live in the faith of his word, amen? That's God's, God's highest way to live in divine health is through faith in his word. That's his highest way. He gives us other ways, such as the laying on of hands through the gifts of healings. He gives us multiple ways to obtain healing, but the best way to stay healed is to live in his word, amen? Live in his faith in his word. That's between you and him, amen? And so, of course, that's why we, that's why we have healing school is primarily to teach the word so that our faith grows and increases, amen? And, you know, I have the, the double blessing of not only getting to hear the word every Sunday at 3 o'clock, I get to teach the word every Sunday at 3 o'clock. So I'm twice as far as all of you all, you know? And, and you're never going to catch up because I'm going to do all the teaching, right? So... <laughs> so uh, it's uh, that sounds entirely selfish, you know, uh, but uh, that's OK. Amen. Uh, you know, faith in a sense is selfish because faith says I want everything the Lord wants for me. Amen. But all the selfish people will tell you if you if you believe God for all the things the Bible wants you to have, you're selfish, which is really ridiculous. Right. Well, you know, I want the Lord to prosper. me. Well, you're so selfish. It's like if the, so you're saying if the Lord prospers me. He runs out of prosperity before he gets to you. So that's why you're selfish, right? Because God's going to run out uh, as if God is limited, right? And uh, I don't know. People are just come up with uh, 
uh, weird doctrine, amen. They wrap it up in some flowery sounding words to make them sound important, but um, uh, they're not, amen. And so praise God. Uh, well, we finished up chapter 14 last week in, in uh, his healing power there in, in the uh, third book uh, of uh, Dr. Yeoman's books there. And so we're charting, uh, starting uh, chapter 15, talking about Jesus in his own hometown. So let's go over to Luke chapter 4. And so Luke chapter 4 starts out with, uh, you know, Jesus was living in complete obscurity until he turned 30, right? Nobody knew of him. You know, they, they just, his local town there of Nazareth knew about him. But nobody else knew about him. He was just the carpenter's son. He had brothers. He had sisters like everybody else in the Jewish uh, world there had family members, and he was completely unheard of. And then all of a sudden, he shows up at, at the River Jordan with John the Baptist, and, and John the Baptist, whom everybody knew at that time, they, they didn't really like him, but they knew of him, uh, behold the Lamb of God who, who taketh away the sins of the world. And then it starts right there, right? And so he says this amazing declaration of Jesus when he appears there uh, at, the, uh, at the River Jordan, and then he disappears for 40 days. Well, where did he go for 40 days? He went into the wilderness, amen? Uh, just to, uh, you know, uh, uh, people have all kinds of ideas about why he went into the wilderness. You know, I've got my own ideas about several things about it. I think he just went in to just uh, really terrify the devil. You know, the devil's been terrorizing the world for thousands of years. And Jesus went there for 40 days, tempted of the devil, 40, didn't yield a single time, and then left. And the devil's like, what in the world just happened? And what's fixing to happen? So for three and a half years, Jesus terrorized the devil on the earth, right? Now the church gets to terrorize the devil, you know, since Jesus is gone. And uh, we should never fear the devil, amen? People are afraid of the devil. He's just a devil, right? And, and um, he's just, uh, you know, the Bible says in the Old Testament, prophesying of the devil, we're going to see him one day. We're going to go, that's it? That, that's what we've been afraid of all this, all this time? He's going to look like a worm, uh, a bug, you know? Uh, and, and it's amazing people are terrified of bugs, you know? And it's, it's a bug. I mean, you ever had a bug meet a shoe leather? You know, it always loses, right? Uh, and so, uh, but, you know, he's a worm. The devil's a worm. He acts like a worm, you know. And so, uh, but he walks about as a roaring lion, and people get afraid, you know. Uh, have you heard him? Oh, yeah, I mean, you know, but uh, um, not really concerned about him, amen. So, so then Jesus was tempted for 40 days uh, in the wilderness. Uh, and, uh, and it says there um, at the end of, uh, in verse 13, at the end of the temptation of Luke chapter 4, verse 13, it says, And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season, for a while. And that's an interesting verse there because uh, in the rest of the history of Jesus while he was on the earth, did the devil ever appear to Jesus directly that we have record of? No, 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 uh, no record of him ever appearing to Jesus again, he, except it implies here that he's going to come back, right? He departed from him for a season, for a, time, for a period of time. Well, how long was it before the devil showed back up? Well, it's about six verses, right? <laughs> but the, the devil showed up, not directly, but through all the nasty people around the, around the, the nation there of Israel. So it didn't take the long for the devil to depart from him for a season, it didn't take a long, that while there is, is only, uh, well, it's probably about uh, 15 verses or so, because it says in verse 28, and all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. It didn't take very long for the devil to show back up, did it? 
<laughs> and so, uh, so here Jesus is. And so let's, re- let's read uh, here in verse uh, 16. It says, And when he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. So growing up, when he lived in Sabbath, he'd go to the, when he lived in, in Nazareth, he'd go to the synagogue, right? Which synagogue is kind of equivalent to our local church for the Jewish nation. Uh, and uh, they would have readings. It wasn't quite structured exactly the same way, but it was similar, right? They had readings from the Word of God. And, and of course, uh, the way they set it up, anybody could stand up and read the, read the Word of God. And that was his custom. So, so he had done this more than once, right? It was his custom. He'd done this more than once. And so, you know, people should have a custom to go to church. Amen. Uh, you know, uh, some people treat it like a holiday, right? Uh, I'm going to church, you know, Easter and Christmas every year without, without failure, right? Uh, but no, that's not a custom, amen? Uh, so he stood up to read, and it says, And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. Now, you know, we say it's a book. It wasn't, it wasn't a book like we have. It's a scroll, right? Uh, and so scroll, you know, is just that. It's just rolled up book. And so... Uh, and, and I'm assuming, I'm, I'm not a, uh, I, I don't know all the history about how these things were, were created, but I'm assuming there's multiple scrolls for a large book like Isaiah, Isaiah right? There's 66 chapters in, in the book of Isaiah. So, but if it was one roll, one scroll, it'd be a long time if you're at the end of the book, right? And of course, uh, right here, Jesus is quoting from Isaiah 61. So that's the end of the scroll. You know, can, uh, you know sometimes we pause because we're flipping pages. Think of how long a pause would be after to unroll a, a scroll to... The, near the end of a 66-book scroll, right? Hang on. I mean, it'd be a minute, right? Awkwardly silent as we... As we and it was leather, right? It wasn't... It wasn't uh, or sometimes it was parchment. Uh, but it was slow anyway, so... Amen. And, and so... But he, but he opened up the... And he found the place where it was written. Now, the thing is, he found it where it was written. There's no book, chapter, and verse in these scrolls. It's just a continuous writing. So how would he, I mean, you just think about if you took all the numbers out of your Bible and say, turn to Isaiah. Uh, and if I just gave you just the book of Isaiah, turn to chapter 66. Uh, it, well, how would you know, or chapter 61, how would you know it's chapter 61? You have to know that it starts out with the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. In Hebrew, no less, right? Uh, and so uh, that would be, uh, that'd be really tough and slow right there, right? But he did find it. Uh, so clearly he had read this before, Amen. You reckon Jesus was a, was, uh, a word person? Of course, he was the word, right? But uh, he still had to know where it was physically, right? I mean, he knew what it said. He wrote it uh, basically by inspiration uh, to the prophet Isaiah. But um, he still had to know, you know, well, Isaiah, you know, you wrote an awful big letters there. You know, you could have written a little bit smaller there. Uh, and so, but he quoted the, the uh, prophet Isaiah here, starting in verse 18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, and set at liberty them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Uh, and he closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. So he starts telling them, you know, these things. And Jesus gives a list of things that he's going to do. It's not a, an exhaustive list. But these are the things that, that he was going to do. But it starts out with that he has anointed me. Uh, being anointed means that the Spirit of God is upon you for a purpose, right? He has anointed me for this purpose. So uh, we have the Spirit of God in us, but the Spirit of God can also come upon us, right? And so that's the, a different operation of the Spirit of God in a Christian's life. All Christians have the Spirit of God in them, 
but sometimes the Spirit of God will come upon them for special purposes, amen? Uh, and in this case, the Spirit of God came upon him to preach. Uh, and so to preach, to heal, to preach again, recovering of sight to the blind, right? So the healing again there, and set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, Dr. Yeomans went and um, uh, quoted the Weymouth translation for a couple of these areas where it says, uh, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Uh, Weymouth says, to proclaim the year of acceptance with the Lord. And then at, at the end of it, it says, where Jesus said, this day is, is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. Weymouth's translation says, uh, today is this scripture fulfilled in your hearing. So he's saying that, the, that this prophecy, that he is the fulfillment of this prophecy, which, you know, the, the, the uh, people of Israel... You know, it was kind of funny because they, they believed in the Messiah to come, right? They knew this, the, 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 uh, the, the prophecies of the Messiah. They knew that he was going to come. He's going to uh, free Israel from the oppression. They thought it was only a natural Messiah, so they thought he was going to free them from the oppression of whoever was running the country at the time. In this case, it was the country of Rome. But, um, but how dare somebody actually be the Messiah, right? They would... Lord, praying for hundreds of years, Lord, send the Messiah, send the Messiah. And he showed up, go, and they kept praying, Lord, send the Messiah. Well, I'm here. Well, Lord, send the Messiah. Well, how dare you say you're the Messiah? Well, I'm the Messiah. Well, how dare you? Well, haven't you been praying for that very thing? They've been praying for that very thing, right? They've been praying for somebody to show up and say this right here. This day is this scripture fulfilled in the year. How dare you say that? And so, you know, the whole thing is just kind of bonkers, right? Uh, and so, uh, and, and she, she talked about... Um, uh, about uh, him coming back from Galilee, you know, and taught in the synagogue and all these things. Uh, and uh, she, she made a point about that, that this message which Jesus preached was a repeat of what Isaiah preached, right? So Isaiah quoted it first, and she said it's about 700 years before this point in time. Uh, and, uh, and Jesus is just repeating word for word what somebody else said. You know, it's, it's interesting, it, even in the church, now, it's not so much in our circles, because uh, in our circles, we would think this is kind of dumb. But when you, get, when you kind of get into other, like more of the intellectual churches, you know, plagiarism is, is, a, really, is a really big problem, right? In their, in their minds, anyway. So if I'm in another kind of church, and I preach what somebody else preached, you know, even verbatim, they would fire me for plagiarism. And I'm thinking, well, I would love for somebody to preach word for word what I just pre preached, amen? So I'm going to get my CD, you know, and... There's lots of times people preach exactly word for word what I've said. And I thought, I wonder how they got a hold of my CD. Uh, and, um, uh, but if it's the word of God, if it's, the, if it's the inspiration of the word, why would we care? Why would we care if somebody stole all my notes and just preached them word for word, right? Well, who would care, right? I mean, it, it, it's just a really, isn't it the odd thing that people, that people care about something like that? You hear about stories like that and you think, is that really? Really? People care about that? You're kidding, right? You're making that up. But no, people care about that. Brother Randy said when he was in, in prison <clears throat> that, of course, uh, they, they voted him to be the, the prison pastor, right? Uh, and so he had a chaplain, a, a, a sure enough chaplain over him, but he, he was the convict pastor. Uh, and, and uh, you know, sometimes I feel like a convict pastor, you know, <laughs> and so, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, I'm just kidding, but, um, but he didn't know how to preach, you know, he didn't, I mean, you know, he never preached anything, and so, so he had gotten a hold of uh, Brother Hagin's material, so Brother Hagin just sent out these, they're called mini books, about this tall, 
and about 32 pages, all exactly 32 pages, right? And so what he would do is he'd have his Bible here open up to some random place, you know, probably somewhere in, in Habakkuk, you know, nobody's going to look at it anyway. And then uh, he, would, he would have a, uh, the mini book taped right there in his, in his Bible. So he'd open up his Bible, and he's really opening up Brother Hagin's book, and he would just read, literally read verbatim, you know, what Brother Hagin taught in that mini book. And it was about the right length of time. He could do a chapter or two from that mini book, and that'd be a great sermon. People, I prayed, that was an amazing message, you know. Uh, thank you, I appreciate that. Uh, and so, uh, but, you know, it, it's just odd that people care about something like that, right? Jesus was the very first one to plagiarize. Uh, and, of course, he said it originally, I know, but, uh, but uh, maybe they get, let him off for that. But uh, that's what he did. He read exactly the book of Isaiah, word for word, verbatim, and then uh, said, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Uh, and so uh, you know, she, she made a point that he didn't come up with something new. Just the exact same thing that he said 700 years ago, he's preaching the exact same thing. So uh, that means that he doesn't change, right? He didn't say, well, you know, it's been 700 years, so we need to make some adjustments. You know, we didn't really mean to preach all, we don't want to set everybody free. I mean, that, you know, that's just, that's a lot of work. So we're going to set the good people free, you know, and then the other people, it's just too bad. Hang on the best you can, right? But no, he said he's going to set it, set at liberty, right? Set at liberty, everybody. Everybody gets to be set at liberty. Don't we all have a right to be free? You know, you should be a free Christian. Every Christian should be free. So many Christians are just, you look around, they're just bound up. They're like, oh, it's so hard being a Christian. It's just so hard. Oh, it's so hard being a And they're just chains and weights. And, you know, I heard some song the other day. Uh, someone said, Lord, you didn't mean for me to carry this burden by myself. Like, what are you, by, what's wrong with you? He, 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 I mean, just, you're not supposed to have any, didn't he say cast all your cares upon him, right? All your cares? So if he said to cast all your cares, how many cares should you have? None. Well, the Lord's going to help me carry these burdens. Lord, just, just help me carry these burdens, you know. Uh, one lady went to Brother Hagin one time. Uh, can, will you pray for me? Well, I don't know. You know will you agree with me, right? You know, and, and, you know, people always want, uh, you know, will you do something for me? Well, I don't know. You've got to tell me what it is first. No, you've got to say yes. No, I'm not saying yes. Because it could be anything, right? Make me a, a you know, banana sandwich every day for the rest of my life. I'm not doing that. You get your own banana sandwich. But, but uh, she said, well, just... Just uh, pray that the Lord w would uh, maybe just take half of my burdens away. You know, I've got too many burdens. Just have them take half of them away. I'm not doing that. Selfish, you're not supposed to carry any burdens. You're, you're, you're supposed to give them to the Lord. You know, if you're supposed to give me something, you know, I'm not doing it. Well, you're selfish, right? And so if you're, if you're hanging on the burdens that, that you're supposed to give to the Lord, well, you're selfish, amen? Uh, I know it sounds really harsh there, but uh, I don't know. I just thought about that. It sounds pretty good, right? You're supposed to give it to the Lord. He told you to give it to him. He wants you to give it to him. I ain't doing it. I'm going to hang on to myself, you know. Because then I look spiritual. Oh, it's so hard. It's so hard. But don't look at me. That's all you want me to do is look at you, right? It's so hard. If, if it's hard for you being a Christian, you're a selfish person. Now, that's a harsh thing to say right there, right? Uh, but, uh, but you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're withholding from the Lord what he asked you to give him. That's a selfish person, amen? Uh, and so... So uh, uh, we're supposed to be doing these things, amen? Uh, and uh, Jesus, uh, he's repeating the exact same thing. So nothing's changed, right? So, so what's wrong with preaching the exact same thing? Uh, aren't we preaching the exact same thing Jesus said? No, we're not coming up with a new doctrine, amen? Same thing. I mean, nothing's changed. Well, how many services can you preach from the same book? Well, we've been doing it for, for I've been doing it for 14 years. 
uh, about three times a week, right? I mean, that's uh, just in 10 years, that, that's 150, that's 1,500 messages, right? Uh, and just in 10 years, we've been preaching for 14 years, uh, and I've been preaching really since 1995. Uh, and so uh, my first message only lasted about 15 minutes, you know. You, I mean, uh, that's all I had, right? I mean, uh, it was uh, John 10, 10. Uh, and um, you'd think you could preach more than 15 minutes out of John 10, 10, right? But uh, that's all he had, right? And so that's all you got. That's all you, you know. And then, of course, you know, the nice thing is about uh, you, you, you preach everything you have and say, who wants to get prayed for? And of course, we were in Mexico. Everybody came up. So then, you know, then you takes up a good hour after that. So you, you look like oh, I preached for a whole hour. It was about 15 minutes. And after that, you got nothing else to preach. On. Now, you know, you can preach for an hour just on, on the first word of John 10, 10, right? Uh, and so, but there's, there's nothing wrong because... Why is there nothing wrong with that? Because Jesus is the same. Amen? If he was the same when Isaiah preached him, and he's the same when he was on the earth, he's the exact same today. Amen? And, and, and of course, that's really what the whole point of it is, uh, of these things, right, is uh, that Jesus is the same. In fact, she's got some, uh, she's got some uh, notes in here. I'm going to see where I can find that there. But... Um, um, <clears throat> Oh, yeah, here we go. So, because so, there was a point here that, that, that we wanted to make here. Um, but if, well, let's see. Let's turn over to Hebrews chapter 13, because she quoted a couple of verses here, and I think it'd be good for you to see where they're at in the Word of God. So in Hebrews chapter 13, it says in verse 8, uh, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, you know, this is a good verse if, if, uh, if you're wondering whether or not it's God's will to heal today then um, if, if it is no longer God's will to heal, then when did he start healing people? When did he start declaring that he was a, a God who heals? In the Old Testament, right? I mean, the very first promise we have as far as what he declared himself is in Exodus fifteen twenty six, I am the Lord to heal thee. But before that, you know, we had examples where Abraham himself, you know, the very first person to pray for somebody was Abraham. He prayed for a king to be healed and the king was healed. So we saw by example that God wants to heal. Then we, had, then we saw by promise that God wants to be the healer. And then we saw by, by prophecy that uh, God will be the healer. Uh, then Jesus comes and he fulfills the prophecy. He does exactly what he said he's going to do. Uh, does that on the earth. And so that's a pretty good consistent path, right? For thousands of years, he, he showed by example. He promised it. He prophesied it. He came. He did what he said he's going to do. And then people say, but then he stopped right there. Well, if he was the same for thousands of years and then no longer does that, then he's changed, right? So if he's changed, then he doesn't fulfill uh, Hebrews 13, 8, right? Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, and so, uh, and then of course, uh, that is really generally a quote from Malachi. Malachi 3, 6 says, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. So he said, I am the Lord, I change not. So, so if he doesn't change, then he's still the healer. Amen. Uh, and, you know, I was just, in fact, when, when we were singing, I was just thinking about this. You know, in fact, she, she makes the point that uh, if, if you desire to be healed and you're not, because she made this point that if, if I desire to be healed and I'm not, she said, then I'm the one who's going to start changing. And that's really the issue is, you know, if you're believing God for healing, or really if you're believing God for anything, but you're not getting it, but healing's a good example because uh, it, it's tangible, right? You can tell if you're healed or you're not healed. 
Uh, and so if we believe that, that uh, Jesus is the healer, and so, you know, we saw that uh, Isaiah prophesied it. We saw that the word of God promised it. We saw that we, uh, by example, that Abraham did it. Uh, and then Jesus comes on the scene. And so you really have to come to the conclusion, any, any sane Christian would have to come to the conclusion that God still desires to heal. Oh, yeah. Amen. And he desires to heal you, yeah. right? Not just in, not hypothetically heal, but actually heal. Uh, and if, if he's unchanged, then his desire to heal has not changed. Amen? Uh, and so what, what happens in the church today, though, oftentimes, is we don't get healed. And so instead of going home and getting a big mirror and finding out what the deal is, we start changing God. Well, he must not want to heal me. Well, he must have stopped healing. And then we look out in the church and we see, well, the church isn't any more healed than the world, so God must have stopped doing this, so therefore... You know, uh, God doesn't want to heal today. It, it ended, and, and we're going to guess, it, it must have ended at the, when the last apostle died. Because we have, every time there's an apostle, they healed somebody, right? In, old te- in, the, in the gospel, because that, that's not really technically true, because they limit it really to the, to the, uh, uh, to the 12 apostles plus Paul. Um, and, and so uh, they think their, their uh, doctrine is when the word of God came to an end being written, that was when God stopped healing. And they come up with crazy doctrines for it. And they pull out, you know, sort of half-truths from the Word of God to say that's so. Uh, which, of course, if they say when the last apostle died, healing stopped, uh, you can agree with 100% of that. That's 100% true. Why is that 100% true? Because there's still apostles today. So the last apostle has not died yet, right? There, there are apostles today, amen? Now, some people, and I, I heard just recently, some people don't believe there's no more prophets today. There's no more apostles today. Well, where do you come up with that? Well, because we don't think there should be. Well, I'm glad you're not the head of the church. Because, the, you know, the head of the church says in Galatians 4.11, in fact, I think it'd be good just to read that in case you don't know what Ephesians 4.11 says. But Ephesians 4.11 says, uh, come back one more page there. It says, and he, talking about Jesus, because it says in verse 8, wherefore he saith when he ascended, talking about Jesus, up on high, he led captivity captivity captive, and gave gifts unto men. So this gifts, this word gifts here means a gift, like a, like a present, like a gratuity, right? Uh, and so, uh, and actually this, uh, um, yeah, this gifts means like a, like a gratuity there, or present. Uh, and so he said, uh, so he gave gifts unto men, and then he says in verse 11, and he gave some, so the, the things that he gave are the gifts. So what gifts specifically did he give? He gave some apostles, so not, not everyone is an apostle, some prophets, some pastors, or some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. So he gave the, and we call these a fivefold ministry gifts. Why do we call them fivefold ministry gifts? Well, I know this is deep, but there's five of them, right? So that's why. There's, it's, no, it's not really, it isn't, we don't, the Bible doesn't call them that, but it's a good way to remember them. So there's five of them, right? Well, how many are there? Well, there's five. And who gave them? Jesus. In what position is Jesus in the church? He's the head of the church, right? So if Jesus, the head of the church, gave these ministry gifts, well, then what purpose, for what purpose did he give him? Well, he tells us, this is why, for, or for this reason, right? Verse, 11, verse 12, for this reason, for this purpose, for the perfecting or the equipping uh, or the maturing of the saints. Well, right there, you can just stop right there and ask yourself, have, have the saints been perfected? Or is every Christian a perfectly mature Christian? 
that's kind of capped an obvious question, right? What's the answer? The answer is, 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 is an emphatic no. Absolutely not. No chance in the world, right? Zero percent chance that the church is fully mature right now. Amen? If the church is not mature, then is there still a need for these five-fold ministry gifts? Well, sure. Uh, what about for the work of the ministry? And the work of the ministry is the getting uh, saved of the world. Has the world been saved? No. So is there more work of the ministry that needs to be done? There is more work of the ministry that needs to be done. Amen. If there's work that needs to be done, then these ministry gifts are still necessary. Now, I didn't call them gifts. The, the head of the church called them gifts. He sent them, the, the Lord Jesus himself sent these gifts into the earth. He decided, this person right here, you're a gift to the, to the church. This person right here, you're a gift to the church. I'm going to especially anoint you as a gift, my present, my, my, my gift to the church. I want the church to be blessed by this person for these reasons. And he says in the last one, for the edifying or the building up or the strengthening of the body of Christ. Does the body of Christ need to be edified, strengthened, and built up? Well, sure. I mean, just look at the average Christian. Decrepit, broke down, barely making it, you know, may not make it, right? <laughs> they need to be built up, right? They're one, one, one step away from death many times, right? And, uh, and so, because uh, they're not really much different as a whole than the world, amen? Now, we should be the strongest people group on the, in the world, but the, you know why we're not? Because we don't have these ministry gifts in our lives, Amen. If, I can guarantee you, if you do not have these ministry gifts operating in your life in some capacity, and, and, and my, uh, uh, my opinion is the pastor should be bringing these ministry gifts into the local church to expose the local church to these ministry gifts. And that's what we do, right? We try to do these, bringing the, specifically bringing these ministry gifts to the church for your edification, amen, for your perfection. Uh, and, and so we know how to do the work of the ministry. Now, and so people will say things like that. Well, there's no, more, there's no more apostles. Therefore, when the last apostle died, that's when healing ended. But then you can make the case. There's plenty of examples. You know, Epaphroditus was an apostle, right? Barnabas was an apostle. Uh, uh, other, uh, we're not going to go through all of them right now, but there's 25 named or unnamed apostles in the New Testament other than the 12 that we know of, amen? Uh, plus Paul as well, right? Paul was really the 13th. They'll let that one slide in there. But after that, the, but the Barnabas was an apostle. Uh, and so I don't understand why, why people have a hard time with, with this, you know. They, and they'll say that. They say, well, there's no more apostles. And the church goes, oh, wow, really? Uh, wow, that's really sad. And they'll, they'll buy it. They'll listen to it. They'll believe it. And, and, you know, somebody should be going, can I ask a question? What's the purpose of the apostle, right? Then you, then you can pull it up here and, and look and see what Ephesians 4.11 says. Well, it says right there, there's a reason for it. And if there's a reason for it, then uh, has this reason been completed? Because if it said, if it said for uh, these five ministry gifts, for the completion of the word of God, or the completing of the writing of the word of God, has the word of God, the writing of the word of God been completed? Sure, right? I mean, there's no more word, no more Bible going to be written, right? There's not going to be a Bible 2.0 or 3.0 or anything like that. So... If that's what he said, I'm going to give these ministry gifts so the word of God can be completely written and then produced and, and made available to the church, then okay, that's fair, right? Because that, that's done. It was done the first century. There's no more word going to be written. Uh, and so, so uh, but that's not, that's not so, right? So people make up excuses about why healing ha has come to an end. But they, they never hold any scrutiny, right? They never hold any water. And, and you know, the, the sad part about me, you know, it's not even about... 
to me, it's not even so bad that people from the pulpit lie and they say things like that because they have an agenda, right? If you go back and look at why somebody says those things, a lot of times you look back and somebody they cared about it wasn't healed and died. You know, and so God doesn't do that. You know, and whatever, whatever supernatural thing they're trying to get rid of, oftentimes it's healing. Somebody was either extreme in it or somebody didn't, didn't, didn't succeed in it. And so therefore God must not do it because that person was an awesome person and God would never you know, do that on purpose. You know? And so they'll, they'll change the word of God um, to meet their particular doctrine. But the word of God doesn't change. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, forever. He preached what Isaiah uh, said. Uh, Isaiah said it. Jesus said it. So if Isaiah said it and Jesus said it, then what should we be doing? Saying it as well. The Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, right? To heal the brokenhearted uh, and and recovering of sight to the blind uh, and setting at liberty them that are bruised. We should be saying the same thing. Amen. Uh, He has come and, and, and what... Uh, uh, what bondage do people live in? Sometimes a bondage is sickness and disease, right? Set at liberty, right? Yeah, them that are bruised. Uh, and so, uh, but, you know, I was just thinking about this. Let's turn over to, to Mark 11 really, really quick. Uh, and, um, of course, we, we know this ver- these verses, right? In verse 23, it says, For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. And so, is that a true verse? 100% true, right? Well, it, does it say these are only spiritual mountains? No. What, what, what mountain is it? Whatever it is. If it's something that stands in your way, it's a mountain. Amen? And if it stands in your way, you... Now, notice it doesn't say that whosoever shall pray to God to have this mountain removed, it shall be removed. Does it say for you to pray to the mountain? Pray about the mountain? No, you, uh, you don't even, it, there's no prayer in verse 23 at all. This is not a prayer. This is not a request of heaven. This is you taking your responsibility and authority as a child of God to do something about it. And so, well, I just don't know if it's going to work. And shall not doubt in his heart. So what if you do doubt in your heart? Is it going to work? I knew it wouldn't work. I knew it wouldn't, I knew it wouldn't happen. Well, then that you're violating the, the requirement for this verse. Amen. And this, this is where a, a lot of Christians get, get messed up in healing because healing, really, verse 23 is healing, right? Verse 24 is other things, but anything that's promised to us, anything that God already says, this belongs to you, by his stripes you were healed, so does healing belong to us? If it already belongs to us, there's no need to ever request from heaven for something to be done. If he said, I gave it to you, uh, and then you said, yeah, but can I have that? He'd be like, did, did I just say that I gave it to him? Yes. Well, why are they asking me for that? I don't know. I mean, if I gave you a dollar, would you say, can I have a dollar? I mean, I'd be like, I just gave you a dollar. I know, but I, I need a dollar. He'd be like, you know, you just look at him like, you know, you do that like my dog, right? When you look at me, you say something to my dog, he'll look at you and he'll tilt his head like, I hear words, but I don't understand anything you're saying. Which is my response to him, because he'll be like, rah, 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 rah. and of course, you know, why don't you understand it? I'm like, I'm not a dog. I don't speak dog. But usually he's trained us well, because we do know if he said certain things, he needs water. You know, and, and, and it's funny, he's got this one little, little grunt. We know that if he says this one little grunt, that what's happened is uh, we've got the door of our pantry. If it's open, it will block the, the entrance to, to the utility room where his water bowl is. And so now he can still make it. 
but he doesn't want to make it. It looks a little tight. I ain't doing it. That, isn't that right? I mean, it's like this wide. He's like, he can make it, but he's like, I ain't doing it. I'm going to go complain. I'm going to find him, and I'm going to go, eh. and, and 100% of the time, if he does that, that specific sound, he goes, somebody's left the door open, and he wants water, and, and he's not going to try to squeeze through it. He's like, I ain't doing it. I'm going to go tell him, you move the door. You know, I ain't going to go to that little skinny place there. Uh, and so, but if, if, if God said, I gave you healing, okay, Lord, can, can you give me healing? Isn't that weird? Yeah. You know, if somebody did that to you, you'd think, they need help. Yeah. Let me give you this phone number, right? They have, they have medicine for this, right? Uh, and so, uh, but no, verse 23 is healing. So if you say, yeah, I didn't think I'd get it. Then you never succeeded in qualifying for verse 23 to begin with. Whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast to sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, they shall have what, whatsoever they say. Yes. So you've got to believe that when I say it, I'm healed, it's going to happen. And that, that's the thing that, I, that Christians struggle with a lot of times. Well, I tried it, you know, I just, it's, I just can't seem to get it to work. Well, then you, don't, you, you doubt that it would ever would to begin with. You, you've got to have this attitude, I've said it, it's done. There's, there's no, now I don't, and your attitude is going to be, I don't care if it takes a thousand years, it's going to be done. And you've got to have that attitude, this attitude of, well, I tried it, you know, I've been praying for like, like minutes, it's been like six minutes now, and it hasn't happened. I guess God doesn't want me to be healed, right? It, you know, your attitude's got to be, it doesn't matter, it's, it's done, it's on its way, right? Sometimes you order stuff and it gets here tomorrow, and if it takes two days, you're like, oh. Two days, you know, my life's coming to an end, right? Uh, we we got to get Doris to work harder there when she's shipping all those packages out for us. And so, uh, but no. Uh, verse 23 is healing, right? Now, verse 24 are other things that, aren't, that are not included directly in the Word of God, right? Uh, he said in James chapter 1, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of the Lord who giveth liberty and upbraideth not. So can you still expect to get it? You can, but he, did, he told you to ask anyway. Amen. Lord, I don't know what to do tomorrow. Well, that's something that, you know, he didn't tell you. Has he told you everything you're going to do tomorrow? No. So you've got to ask, Lord, what do you want me to do tomorrow? So that's verse 24. Therefore, I say what things soever you desire. Uh, Lord, I need a new job. Is there, is there a new job? Thou shalt have a new job tomorrow. Is that in the Bible anywhere? Is that a direct promise? No. It's not a direct promise, so you've got to ask. Healing is a direct promise. It's already been given to us. So that's verse 23. Things that have not been directly promised to you, like a new job, a new uh, raise, or a house, or a spouse, or whatever it is, uh, those things have to be asked for. And he said, what things serve you desire? When you pray, believe that you receive them, you shall have them. Now, look, if, if it's things that, that cross the will of somebody else, you can't use verse 24. Lord, uh, uh, they're going to marry me. Well, don't, don't you think they have, a, have a, uh, an opinion about that? What if they're already married? Doesn't matter. It kind of does matter, right? They're mine anyway. You know, I, I mean... You know, people do that all the time. Well, you know, I, I, uh, the Lord told me you're, you're my spouse. Uh, you know, be like 911. We've got a crazy person here, right? Um, so, you know, you've got to be careful. You know, people would take this to an extreme and do, uh, you know, uh, uh, things that are not in the Word of God. Uh, so, but then he, then he gets down to verse 25. And he says, when you stand praying, forgive. If you have ought against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. And if you go through all the, all the stories of, and promises about faith and healing and, and uh, you know, believing God for things, 
This is the only specific thing that Jesus says, this can be a limitation to your faith. That if you, if you stand praying and you don't forgive, then that will hinder your faith. Now, uh, that, that, to me, this is a really uh, uh, interesting thing because Jesus could have said anything right here, right? When you stand praying, make sure you repent of your, of your lying. When you stand praying, uh, make sure you repent of your adultery. When you stand, uh, stand praying, be sure to repent of your thieving. He could have said a lot of things. But he, but he specifically pulled out. And those things, will those things, other things still hinder your faith? Well, they will. But he, uh, he said this one for a reason. And this one is, uh, you know, the assumption we have to make is if he thought important enough that he wrote this specific thing down as a hindrance to faith, it must be a big hindrance. Uh, and it is because, you know, I come across people all the time when it comes to uh, specifically forgiveness. Forgiveness uh, and, and withholding forgiveness uh, is a major hindrance to people's healing all the time. Uh, and, and, and people struggle with that. And I don't, you know, I don't know why they struggle with it because uh, I, I think it's because if you ask, for, ask your average Christian, what does, what does forgiveness mean? What does, if I'm going to forgive, what does that mean? You know, what does it mean to forgive somebody? Just ask anybody. What does it mean to forgive somebody? Well, you forgive them, right? They'll, they'll give you the answer by the question. Well, to forgive somebody means to forgive somebody. Well, okay, but what does that mean? Right? You ever ask questions like that? I ask questions like that all the time. What does it mean to forgive, right? And, and you know, if you go look up in, in the dictionaries and, and study this, and I did this for a long time, and I think I've told this story before, but it's really hard to figure it out because it's all, you know, it kind of self-answers the question. Well, for, to forgive somebody means the act of forgiveness, Okay, that tells me nothing, right? It's like if you look up the word propitiation in, in the Bible, right? It, uh, diff, uh, th about three different verses use the word that he is our propitiation. It says propitiation, uh, it, an expiation. That's the definition. Did that help you at all? That helps you at zero, right? Because when was the last time you used propitiation in a sentence? And when was the last time you used expiation in a sentence? Never, right? So it's like, these people are just, they're just too smart, right? Oh, well, it's obvious. Obviously, propitiation means expiation, right? It's like, what words are you using? Uh, and so, but to forgive, it, to me, is really simple. It's the simplest thing in the world. It means to pardon. Right? And, and if you think about that, to pardon means <clears throat> that you, as an act of your will, that somebody has done an infraction against you, whether real or, or, or perceived, right? Because sometimes... They did that to me, and you find out, well, they didn't really do that to you. Well, you still took offense, right? Let's come and say, hey, man, I, I love your hair. Oh, you didn't like my hair yesterday. Well, I'm offended. Well, I didn't say I didn't like your hair yesterday. I just said I like your hair. You look nice today. Oh, so I don't look nice normally, huh? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm mad at you. I've got to forgive you. Well, nobody did, anything, nobody did anything, but you took offense, right? You ever taken offense where there was no offense given? Oh, yeah. uh, right? And, and um, oh, you look slim. Oh, you think I look fat normal most of the time, huh? No. Or the worst one is like, do you, does this dress look good on me? I don't want to get you. That's a landmine right there. I mean, that's a landmine and all kinds of, that, that's terrible things right there, you know. And then you pause and go, you, you hesitated for a second. <laughs> that's not fair, right? Because, I mean, if you, if you, of course, then you could just lie and say, oh, it's the most amazing dress I've ever seen, right? If it's not. And it could be the most amazing. If it is the most amazing dress, that's fine, right? If it's not, it's just landmines. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's scary, right? It, it's, I mean, you know, I'm not afraid of the devil, but answering that question, there's fear. I mean, fear, you sweat, you know, you just, I mean, it just, it's just terrifying to answer that question, right? Uh, and so, 
But to forgive means to pardon. I choose as an act of my will to pardon. Now, especially if it's a real offense, right? You've done something to me that's wrong, that's unkind, and I choose to pardon you. But see, the nice thing is, well, who gets to choose? You do. So how hard is, is forgiveness? Just like that, right? I choose to do this. I choose to pardon you. See, a pardon is necessary for the guilty. It, and that's whether you, whether, you know, even if they're not 100% actually guilty, if you think they're guilty, right? If you think they did something against you, well, then you pardon them. Lord, I choose to pardon them. And, and, and here's the thing. It's like, you know, what happens when, when people do something to you, and, and we're saying this because uh, she said that if you're not getting your healing, you need to be the one changing. Not Jesus, not God. He's not going to change his word, not going to change his plan. He's already said, I want to heal. So you, something you've got to change. And so, so we're just taking one example. If, if forgiveness and lack of forgiveness on your part is hindering your healing, who can change? You can change. The, the person who committed the crime. Now, now, see, the thing about verse 25, which is completely and totally unfair. It says, when you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anybody. What is their part in verse 25? What is the part of the person who did the, the, the crime? Are they required to repent? Are they required to admit that they did wrong? Are they required to tell you you're, they're sorry? Do they have any responsibility in you forgiving them? Well, I'm not going to forgive them until they, until they say they're sorry. That is not what the Word of God says. It's completely unfair, right? God, you know, you should have said that if... if that, uh, that I will forgive them as long as they repent, as long as they admit that they were wrong. You know, there's a chance they weren't even wrong. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, there's been times you just tell somebody something, they get so offended because you told them that. Uh, hey, you got uh, food in your teeth. Well, how dare you tell me that? <laughs> oh, you want, you want to go around with food in your teeth, right? I mean, you know, well, you just embarrassed me. Okay, well, next time go with that, the salad bar in your teeth and, you know, and, and uh, everybody else will just laugh at you, right? But to people get, you know, even if there was no offense intended, somebody will get offended oftentimes, right? Uh, and so they'll get offended. Now, now, that's the thing. about. See, if you can learn this, it's one of the most freeing things you can learn. I can forgive if nobody ever repents. If, if, and look, I've had long lines of people do unkind things towards me. Long list of people, right? And so have you. We've all done it, right? If you go to church for more than a week, somebody at church is going to be mean to you. It's unfortunate, right? But you ever had anybody mean to you at church? Not, not this church, which are perfect here, uh, but at, at other churches. We've heard stories, right? Uh, and so uh, people do something unkind to you, and what's your responsibility? Got to forgive them. You've got to pardon them. Lord, they did, they did this to me. I choose to pardon them. In other words, I choose to, to, to not ever consider that they did anything to me. And, you know, for me personally, I, I make that confession myself all the time. Nobody's ever done anything to me. Because I'm not going to live in unforgiveness. Yeah. Now, has people done things to me? People have done a lot of things to me. I'm going to live as if I've pardoned every single one of them, every one of them, and not hold anything to their account. And, and so what happens is, if somebody really does something to you, especially if it's a terrible thing, that thought will just roll over in your mind every day. I can't believe they did that to me. I can't believe they did it to me. And, and you, Lord, I forgive them. You know what's going to happen tomorrow? That thought's going to be there. I can't believe they did it to me. I can't. Well, I, I thought I forgave him. I guess I, guess I didn't. But you know, your thoughts are not you. Your spirit manages you. You've got to treat your thoughts like an unruly child. Uh, you know, best place to learn about that, you go to Walmart. You go to Walmart, 
You got some three-year-old pitching a fit on the floor, screaming because they didn't get the bubble gum, right? Now look, when uh, I had kids, I had one of them do that. And, and, you know, the Lord gave us a lot of wisdom, a lot of grace. Uh, what we learned is, is you know, because what happened, the mom would go, you better get up right now. I'm going to tell your dad when you get home. You better get, you get up right now. You stop doing that right now. And they just start. And I'm thinking, well, you need to be whipped first. And then we whip the kid, right? Because you sound like a child, right? No, what you do is you say, you need to get up right now. Not mad, not screaming. Because, you know, the Lord told me when I was raising my kids, he said, uh, he said, your authority does not reside in the volume of your voice. Isn't that a great thing, you know? Because that's the way my parents were, you know, that's the way I was raised by my parents, you know? If they scream like this, I don't mean it right, but they scream like this, wow, you better run, right? So, because the louder they screamed, the more authority you thought they had. But my authority doesn't reside in, in, in the volume of my voice. It resides in my position as a parent. Just like that police officer right over there, you know, his authority does not reside in that handgun on his hip. That's what backs up his authority. His authority is the fact that he's a police officer and stands the, in the position of keeper of the peace. That's his, his position is what is his authority. It just has the power to back that up with, you know, with, with his handgun. Uh, and, and so your position as a parent, you know, uh, your, your strength, you're bigger than a kid. You just push the kid over, right? You know, you don't be pushing kids over. But you're stronger than a child. Physically, but that's not your authority. Your authority is in that you're the, you're the parent. So the Lord said, your authority does not reside in the volume of your voice. So I'd say, get up. And I don't want to threaten them. I, you know, we never threaten our kids. If you do that one more time, because that's a lie. How many parents have said that and they didn't, they didn't back it up? Well, then they're lying to the kids. You know what the kids know? They're lying. They don't mean one more time. They mean about eight times, maybe 10. I probably 15, I bet I can wait 15 more times. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll wall her in it. I, you get up right now. And they don't, so I pick them up. I'm big enough to pick I'll take them to the van. And we did that one, just one time. We did this one time. That's it. That's all we had to do, right? And there was only one. We had three children. One time we did this with one child. We're not going to tell you who because of how I don't know. Um, and we took them, took them to the van, spanked them, and then we took them right back where we left off. Put them right back, the exact same spot. No, no, let's continue. Because we're not going to let them do, dictate our life. Now, see, your thought life is exactly the same. It'll... it'll but they did that to you. I forgive them in the name of Jesus. I pardon them in the name of Jesus. Tomorrow, well, they did that to you. I choose to forgive them. And see, then you go on the offense. Lord, bless them. Increase them. Be good to them. Speak to them. Give them great finances. Give them great uh, joy, Father, in their life. Let everything their hands uh, are laid to, let it prosper, Father. Give them the best job. Give them the best spouse. Give them the best everything in the world, Father. Because I can guarantee you those thoughts that are being uh, motivated by the devil into your life, Last thing he wants in the world is for anybody to be blessed. And if you're, if you're, blessed, if you're praying for them to be blessed, see, now you're praying Mark eleven twenty four. What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, you have them. So when I'm praying blessings, I believe that, that I receive their blessing for them. Lord, I'm praying for them blessings. I believe that they'll be blessed just because I asked you to bless them. And I'll go on the offense. And that's what I did when I was a parent. I'd go on the offense. I wouldn't go on the defense. You better stop doing that. I'm going to be mad. That's defense. You stop doing that right now. And I wouldn't yell, but they knew when I put in my, my big boy voice, you stop doing that right now. Very direct. They knew that I meant that. And, you know, and all of them tried it at least once. All of them pushed that, you know, at least once. Not very many times, though. I mean, once they learned that, wow, dad says don't do that, it's don't do that. Because I'd take them to the bedroom. I'd sit them on the bed. I'd say, why are we here? And, they'd, you know, sometimes they'd say something that wasn't true. 
I'd say, well, what did you do? And I'd make them tell me what, what they did. And I'd say, did I tell you not to do that? And I'd say, yes. And I said, so why are we here? And my goal was to get them to say they were here because of what they did. Not because I wanted them there. I said, you know, in fact, I told, uh, I told one of them, I said, it's my least favorite thing to spank you. And then, of course, you know, they were only like three years old, so they didn't know what the word least meant. So if you don't know what a word means, you don't hear it. So what they heard is not, it's my least favorite thing to spank you. What they heard is, it's my favorite thing to spank you. <laughs> and so I'm traveling, you know, and then, and then so Chris is put in the bed, uh, and they, uh, she calls up and says, they're crying. Why? Because they said, my favorite thing, they, dad said that his favorite thing was to spank me. <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> and so uh, it's a game when you try to, you know, try to intellectualize with a child, right? Uh, and so, but you've got to treat your, uh, who's got to do the changing? You've got to do the changing, right? So if forgiveness is your hindrance, you, you've got to go on, on the, you've got to change. Lord, I choose to forgive them. And then when your unruly, undisciplined mind reminds you tomorrow what they did for you, I forgave them. I, Lord, bless them, increase them, be good to them. Lord, give them everything they desire that's, that's, that's wholesome. You know, you don't want to give them everything they desire, right? Because, you know, but anything that's good, give it to them, Lord. You go on the offense, amen? Because you've got to change so there's no hindrance in your life, none, amen? And, and look, if people say, you know, I just, I just can't forgive them. That is a lie. That is the biggest lie. Because what you're saying is I can never be healed. Because Jesus said that, that he, he said he's the only... The only hindrance that he ever mentioned was forgiveness. Amen. And that's on you. That's something you can change right now. Amen. And, and so, you know, just every now and then I'll go, Lord, is anybody I, that I haven't forgiven? Is anybody? You know, if that thought comes up tomorrow, you know, the thing about forgiveness is you, is you do it by faith. And so if you forgave them yesterday, then you don't forgive them today. Because what people do a lot of times is I forgive them. And that thought comes up tomorrow about what they did. And you say, I forgive them. And it comes up the day after that, what they did, and you say, I forgive them. But no, you forgave them two days ago. So you, so you say, I have already forgiven them. You've yeah. already done it. Yeah. And you're not going to go back and repeat yourself, right. but you're going to go, I have, I have forgiven them. Now, Lord, bless them. Increase them. Yeah. Until that, and, and here's what you'll find. If you'll do that, three days from now, you won't even think about them. Yeah. Four days from now, the thought of them, you could go for days, weeks, months, or years. And eventually you get to where you'll think about it and you go, oh, yeah, that happened. But see, if it comes up in a, in a week from now, a year from now, 10 years from now, that thought comes up of what they did, and, and all that steam rises up, and all that little man twists you in your belly, and your whole mind becomes filled with what they did, you know, you, you've got an unruly child. You've got to take care of that. I guess I didn't forgive them. Well, you did forgive them. But you've got an unruly child in your mind, and you've got to discipline that child to line up with the Word of God. You're the authority, not your mind. Uh, and so you've got to do the changing. Uh, and, that, and that's her whole point is we've got to do the changing. If I ever find that I'm not getting healed, I've got to do the changing. And forgiveness is a great place to start. Lord, is anybody I don't forgive? Anybody that I haven't forgiven? Not has, has anybody that hasn't said they're sorry to me? Is, is their repentance a requirement for your forgiveness? Now, what does the word forgive mean? Pardon. I choose, I choose to pardon them. And, you, and a lot of times I'll say it exactly like that. Lord, I choose to pardon them. And then I'll say, Lord, I ask you that, that nothing they've ever done to me will be held to their account. 
Because a lot of times people say, well, you did that to me, God will get you. What are you saying? I want God to hold to their account everything they've done to me. I ask the Lord, Lord, you wipe their account clean. As far as my, and I can't do it for somebody else. They've got to forgive, you know, somebody else has got to forgive them for that. But if they did it to me, Lord, wipe it off. I'm, I'm asking you to wipe it off. See, it's still Mark eleven twenty four. 24. I'm asking you, Lord, when, when you come to, uh, oh, you had an interaction with Pastor Chip, what did you do to them? Oh, it looks like here you've never done nothing to them. When in reality, they're the worst, right? But as far as I'm concerned and the Lord's concerned, wipe clean, amen? And, I, and I'll, I'll live that way. I'll live that way all the days of my life because I'll stay healed, amen? I'm not playing these games of I just can't forgive them, you know, unruly child. You wait till your daddy gets home, you know? Uh, and, and so, well, gee, you're a grown adult. You do it, right? You take care of it, amen? Uh, and, and so and we had to learn some of those things, didn't we, right? <laughs> And so I'll tell you one story. Maybe she won't get too mad about this, but but the kids, we were all at home one time, and one of the kids were acting up, and and, and I heard, Chip, <laughs> Chip, come here. And I paused, and finally I went in there. I said, I am not a dog. You don't call me like a dog. I said, you're a parent, like I am. You have a right to, to deal with this. You remember that? You remember that? Yeah. <laughs> I was nice about it, mostly nice about it, but um, you know, I'm not a dog. You know. <laughs> and so because uh, if you're an authority be in the authority amen you don't have to be rude about it unkind about it i was never rude or unkind about it not that i know of anyway they may have thought i was rude or unkind about it uh, but you know the thing that you learn is if you'll do that you know you not you're not just disciplining your kids when they're 15 years old uh, you know, 16 years old 17 years old. now look they all get a choice they all get to make their own choices i know at some point in time but it wasn't just every day, just drama in my household. It, it, we'd go for a long period of time where there's no drama because they were well-behaved children, amen? Uh, and, and the Lord was kind enough to give us a lot of wisdom in that. And so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So Father, we thank you for your word. And Father, we thank you that you changed not. You were the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so Father, if there's something that we're praying and believing for that we're not receiving, and we just sense that it's not coming, Father, then we'll go about changing. We'll ask you, Lord, is there anything I need to do differently? And if there is, because you, you are the revealer, if there is, Father, then we'll change. And if there's not, Father, we'll stay the course. We will, we will not change our confession. We are the healed of God. And so, Father, we thank you for that, and we give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. And, and that's just, let's get ready to receive this afternoon's offering. That's another point that's, that's important, too. You know, if you're not receiving it, and you've gone to the Lord, and he hasn't showed you anything, no unforgiveness, no sin, no whatever, you haven't confessed right or something. If he hasn't showed you anything, then just stay the course with that I'm healed. You know, a lot of times people say, well, I, I, I guess it's not going to work. Well, why? There's got to be a reason why. If it's not working, there's got to be a reason why. If it just hasn't come yet, well, that's, that's fine. Then stay the course. The Lord, I'm healed. If he shows you, well, here's a hindrance. Oftentimes it's unforgiveness, but it could be something else, right? Then deal with it, and you can still get the promise, amen? So, so there, there's always an answer, amen? So come ahead, Mr. Jared, uh, and uh, receive the offering. And uh, I've got a copy of uh, Sue Ziegenhorn's uh, address. Uh, if, uh, uh, of course, she's been taking some chemo there, so she uh, doesn't feel well enough to come to healing school. Uh, and so if you'd like to send her a card, it's really a blessing for her to receive cards because she's basically a shut-in right now and doesn't get to get out. She doesn't have any family in this area. Uh, she does have a son that lives in Chattanooga. He gets up and sees her every now and then. But it... it uh, uh, it really means a lot for her to, to receive a card. So if you'd like her address, we've got a couple of post-it notes with her address up here. And then uh, we'll mention this again on um, uh, next Sunday as well or other services. 
but in the food pantry, we need uh, some spaghetti noodles, peanut butter, canned ham, ramen noodles, and cereal. Uh, and so those are all non-perishable items. So if you'd like to purchase some of those items for the food pantry and bring them to church, we'll get a chance to be helpful uh, for the food boxes. And then in the back, there's also free okra and peppers in the kitchen. Amen. All right, so don't don't run rush to the kitchen. You can you can. And there's still some some expired food. It's not really really expired, right? It's just a little expired. Uh, and so, that's back there as well too. So, uh, run and don't walk to the kitchen. And uh, y'all be blessed. We'll see you all on on Wednesday.